0: Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. In this episode of the Catalyst Podcast, I'm interviewing Dr. Karina Holpen. She is a wife, mother of three, and Navy veteran, a lifelong learner. This is why I love her, right? She's a medical doctor, but she also has two board certifications, one in family medicine and lifestyle medicine, as well as a master's of arts in gerontology from the University of Southern California. She also has a master of science in integrative and functional medicine from John Patrick University. Yes, she's amazing. In this episode, we talk all about her experience with veterans and the military. Kind of a tough crowd, right? And it's close to my heart as a spouse of my army doctor husband. So we, we joke, we share about our experiences in the military, but also plant those seeds of hope that we can help on a functional, integrative way, showing our veterans and our military that yes, there are ways we can help with PTSD and body physiology, stress, And aging with grace. She's also a wonderful firecracker who is making change, not only in the military and the veterans, but in her community and also as a physician life coach. So stay tuned. This is a wonderful episode you don't want to miss and enjoy my conversation with Dr. Karina. Oh, Dr. Karina Hopin, I am so excited to have you here on the Catalyst podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited too. It's really nice to connect again and and to catch up.
1: Really? Absolutely. You are
0: just like a sister that I have not had because you and I have similar parallels. What I love about meeting you is you have this energy of giving back, not just for patients and your community, but you have this strong energy for supporting veterans in the military. And that's what we connected on. I think because, you know, my husband was in the army. I, you know, we moved to a post and I I just understand that military mindset. And so do you, I mean, you are just vivacious with that. Energy and really trying to <laughs> give back to those veterans, much like how Dr. Terry Walls, you know, was able to do that in the VA as well. I think there's a lot of opportunities. So give me a little intro about <clears throat> you. Yes, well, I'm Karina
1: Hopin. I live in Washington State, a little tiny town on Whidbey Island. So that was kind of what drew me to you as being my business mentor, um, to think about how to change the trajectory of healthcare, and but living in a tiny town that's very yes. has a lot of military um, presence, and then introducing something so like, right, very out of the box, and, and just so different. And you had some, your community is very similar as well. And so right. um, I, I launched last year, I launched my um, private practice inspired wellness. And it's been a learning journey. But with you and the help of, um, the catalyst group, it's been very, very inspiring Uh and been able to get things going. Um, and right now I, I do several things. I, um, because my community is very heavily military and trying to help them understand what functional medicine is about, what lifestyle medicine is about. I knew that some of the headwinds that I had was, um, one, getting them to trust me. It's, I have not, um, I haven't served in the capacity of a physician in my particular town for over 10 years. So, Mm -hmm. um, people did know of my name at one point and they were active duty a while ago. And, and so at getting that recognition, that name recognition, um, was one thing. And one of the things I thought was maybe one way to get them through my door, um, is to help them with their disability exams. And that's a good nice. way of, of really getting them to know who I am um, and just know what the, the practice is about. But then I'm giving back my expertise being in the military myself, understanding all of the different um, struggles as far as like what the environment entails and then helping them to really get their um medical issues recognized by the VA and and giving that due diligence and time to really help um, the VA understand this is what's been happening. And I've had some really good results from that where one they they were like, well, I, we didn't realize that there was things that are available that doesn't require like heavy um, loads of medications and and being more holistic and looking at how your genetics and your life experiences leading up to the military can already lay down the framework and foundation for what can happen with all the stresses during military life so yeah and so to me what was really important was like I'm learning from them as well and, and really putting the pieces together with functional medicine. Like, yes, this is this, everybody should know how your body's all inter- interconnected. And, yes. you know, it's not just a symptom. I just keep telling me it's not just a symptom. There's a right. lot more to
0: it. Right. Yeah. I love that you are also meeting them where they're at, which yes. is so key. Cause I think when we all graduate or get infused in functional, holistic, integrative medicine, we're very excited and yeah. we're very enthused to explain all the things that could be going wrong. And right. it can feel like a big dump, you know, into yeah. their brain of, Oh, look at all the great opportunities because it also sets the bar almost unrealistically high. Right. And, and so, as you know, in the military, I just remember, I loved like, they're very regimented, like checklists, you know, very much like, you know, and, and it's like a whole new language. I remember starting that, you know, I was the spouse, but learning like, oh, you're putting on your BDUs because what's your MOS and I'm going to go PCS. (laughs) And there's all these terms that you just learn. And it's like a foreign language. Yes. Like, I think that is the number one thing that we do wrong in functional integrative medicine is we try to just bombard patients with this foreign language and expect them to be able to speak it natively from the beginning. And that's why it's so powerful in small communities and in the military, when you're trying to help them understand you wouldn't ask them to go to a weekend warrior course in a language and then go travel to that country and speak it. You would say, let's practice. Let's do little glossary terms, just enough to get you by in a conversation. Let's teach you about some basics, right? And then as you keep learning, you know, whether it's group visits, you come back, you're learning more and more, you're stacking more into your brain, you're learning to apply it. You've got that support. Then that's how you're changing military life is you're making those connections with them and saying, right okay, I get it. You can't do everything perfectly. Nobody wants that. But here, learn this little language here and you're going to be better off for it. Yep. Yes. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah.
1: And then and then, I also just give a little tippet of like what, for anybody who's interested in starting a functional practice, definitely getting in touch with Laura is very much a good idea. (laughs) But, um, you know, when you're in it and you're starting and you are confronted with um, just the unknown, um, and trying to get people in. And, um, and if you, especially if you're cash based and you're not accepting any type of insurance, you do have to be more innovative and, and be open to certain things. You may have a framework for how you want to have your membership, but really listening to the community and then be open to just, you know trying new things and you don't yes. have to commit to it, and so that was one of the key things. I, um, my husband helps me with the um the practice, and he was like, I don't know where you got that idea, but that was brilliant. And yeah, he has a, an MBA, and he's like, That's the first thing in MBA 101 is like getting people in the door, whether they buy it or not, at least they're more familiar, and then the word of mouth. Um, and there is that I've noticed that there is definitely a lot more recognition, um, yes. and the the advantage. As far as like being able to be solvent, it, what I do um, with these disability exams, I do get compensated. I'm, I'm contracted, but um, my, my, the advantage for me is it's kind of free advertising too, because now they know like there's this doctor, she's really different. She listens to you. She thinks of everything, not just what your symptoms are. And so I have people who I've had a couple of clients say, I've had your card on my nightstand for a couple of months. And finally, I just can't stand it anymore. I need help. And, and and I, I, I tell them now, I'm not a pill. This is just, this is lifestyle and functional medicine is about personal commitment and effort. And there's homework. There's weekly, yes. um, you know, the weekly open office hours where you can engage with me or I can teach you. We can learn from each other. Um, so it it's very exciting to be able to finally start to see um, things get, getting yes. off the ground.
0: The seeds and that you planted, yes. you know? Yes. And I think that's yeah. the mindset that is hard also for us practitioners we're we've grown up in a system that Mm -hmm. is very similar to military. You hang a shingle, people need to see you because they're required to see you. I'll never forget when my husband as an army doctor was shocked coming into civilian world after he did his obligation at Fort Leonard Wood and, you know, finished his deployment. And then we moved and he went into civilian world and he was shocked at like, well, my patients weren't taking their medicine. How does that happen? And I'm like, well, in the military, it's an order when a physician who is an officer gives you an order to take your metformin, you take your metformin. And and it was quite the eye-opening experience for him to understand that we're dealing with humans. We're dealing with people that have all sorts of different perceptions and lenses. And maybe their grandmother died when she took metformin and they've got this unrealistic story that's in their head and you don't know, you didn't have time to ask, right? And so what you're doing is you're planting those seeds of showing them you're different and and to do this as as your own practice innovatively you have to love that kind of creativity because it is going to call on that creativity. You can't expect to be very militarized where people have to see you and you have to pass step A, B, and C because you are showing them that it is creative. And that's the part that, is for me, one of my favorite parts of doing functional medicine in this manner. It really is contagious with all of us in the membership too, in the Catalyst Mentorship. Everyone's really kind of synergistically sharing their creativity. We've learned a lot from what you've done. You've been a firecracker. You've had workshops. You've like, like you said, you're getting people in the door with the physicals. You've, you've, um, you know, held little speaking engagements. I mean, you're just really doing so many neat things that you're planting those seeds, and as those people start coming in, right? Yeah, that's where the, the fruition comes. <clears throat> yeah, and recently you've actually connected as a geriatric uh program director, right? Right, yes. Yeah. So, I, well, I, I do have to say, like, the working with veterans
1: really catapulted my the trajectory of my career moving from family medicine towards lifestyle and functional medicine. And I I do remember the time where I was um, working as a medical director at a VA clinic, and uh, every other person that I saw was like, getting old is for the birds. I feel this pain, and I'm always in pain when I wake up. And, And it dawned on me that our traditional way of Um, medical school really taught us a lot about what's wrong with people and how to fix them. But I really wasn't familiar with what, what is normally expected, especially if you're 55, 60, should I expect that I would be having that much pain and waking up and feeling like I'm deteriorating? And so that's where I started to gravitate towards like, Really learning more about the aging process, and I came across um, a, a master's program through usc and it was it was the study of aging across the lifespan. And that's what drew me because mm-hmm. it wasn't just about age 60 and above, but really aging is relative. If you compare newborn to a 20-year-old, that 20-year-old is old. But if you compare that 20-year-old to a 80-year-old, that 20-year-old's young. So aging is is really where we are in comparison from point A to point B. Um, but I that's how I Found out about certain studies that um, had aggressive lifestyle management, make really producing great outcomes, and then that's how I I thought. What is this functional medicine all about? And then ultimately, I ended up getting a master's in integrative and functional medicine. And, and afterwards, I just graduated. And now I am the program director at um, John Patrick University. And now I'm heading up the Alzheimer's, dementia, memory
0: care program. I love that. Yes. They're so yes. lucky to have you because all of the experience you have in all those different facets. I love what you said that, you know, aging is relative. It's really a comparison of where we are and where we want to be or where we've been. Right. And there is a lot of mindset, which is why what you do is so unique. You're captivating this audience in veterans in the military and you're working with them because talking about mindset, that's huge in lifestyle, functional medicine. And unfortunately, PTSD is rampant. Right. And yes. what we see, especially as more of what I would call ourselves more consultants now, since we're out of that primary care role, yeah. we see a lot of physiologic imbalances that can be remedied with a mind shift and trauma work and trauma therapy and all sorts yes. of things. So what's neat is you're, ca- you know, you're kind of tapping into this, um, population that is just going to be so lucky to work with you and have this introduced to them on a level that they could actually get, you know, and understand it doesn't seem so out there, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And,
1: and speaking of PTSD, so I, I recently, um, saw somebody and I was looking into PTSD and, and understanding it a little bit more. And I was really surprised. And I think for me, along with a lot of other people, they re- recognized it as like a, a psychological behavioral type of um, condition, which it is. <clears throat> but in more recent research has shown that there's, there may be a neuroinflammatory pathophysiology. And I just thought, yeah, I could definitely yes. see that. And then when you look at it in those terms, and applying functional medicine, um, there's just so many aspects that w- there. there's a lot more that uh, a veteran can really benefit from yes. that we just aren't offering. But now that Research is showing like it's a neuroinflammatory response, which can then affect every organ system, including like arthritis and degenerative joints. And so connecting the pieces and having somebody to be able to be that advocate and and really be objective about These conditions are are real and it is a mind body um, type of condition where everything can be affected Um, and, you know, and and taking the functional approach can
0: start to really see um, more, you know, sustained outcomes, I think. Right. And it sort of, I think it validates um, their feelings because I think a lot of the military mindset, which is it's trained in us, I would say medical school is very similar. You're gritty, you're stoic, and you know, you signed up for this, so you just push through. And and there's a hardening that needs to happen of a confident exterior. But the problem is at at the collateral damage is that we have disengaged from emotions and yes. sort of suppress them. And so what you're doing is you're validating saying, guess what? Your body keeps score. Your body right. has things that are happening. And I think this is a wonderful opportunity. And that's why I've said many times, I think we're just coming upon the best time in medicine because we're seeing these connections in research right, right. Yep. and how inflammatory things can be. Right. Yep. And then putting the the background in
1: um, just studying aging, I I say, I always say to everybody, regardless of what their condition is, how do you want to age? Because you're aging now. And if you are happy with how you're aging, then that's great. But if you feel like there's room to improve, that's going to help how you age later on. And for me, I think that as I'm nearing 50 and my youngest is seven, so I really have to be very, very vibrant, and that, I think, has really changed my approach to what I do for myself, and and I am, like, I use myself as an example all the time, where even – with me being a functional medicine clinician, I do have certain struggles, and I try oh, to, sure. you know, i i i Same. have to be compassionate when <clears throat> I fall for that really gorgeous looking cake. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then you move forward, and you say, you, you know, you enjoy it, you move forward, and you give yourself a little bit of that grace. But doing that every day is probably not going to help me in the long run. With you know, uh, just being able to not have joint aches and, and it, right. My pancreas would be, um, not happy with me right. too. And, and so, yeah, I mean, aging starts and, um, 20 year old, I also, what you do now is going to really help you in the long run. Um, and when we approach it in that mindset, um, and a lot of what I do is about mindset and how you restructure your thinking and redesigning. So that's, that's how you can redesign your life is just, Is it something that happened to you or can you change your narrative to how have you dealt with it and grown from it?
0: Oh, I love that is redesigning your life. Is it something that happened to you and how can you grow from that? That's such a great growth mindset. And I really want to touch on something you said that strikes me as why this is such a great moment in medicine, especially with functional, integrative, holistic medicine, the way we're doing it, which is inviting patients into more conversations rather than putting them behind a wall saying, Nope, you have to wait three months to see me again. Oh, yeah. if you have a question, I'm going to, I'm not going to have time to answer it. Um, what we're doing is the reverse. We're saying, I'm letting my guard down. I'm showing you that I'm human. And it yeah. is not taught like that in medical school. We are yeah. taught to have this barrier. You should not right. tell them your personal information. Yeah. And what I found is we are absolutely leaning in to that. And I think that's why patients love what you're doing and what we're doing. Cause we're saying, and come see us every week. And yeah, I share with my patients, like, yeah, I'm trying to do cold showers. I've only made it <laughs> 13 seconds yes, and I can't yes. get past it. Or I'm struggling with, you know, cravings. So I started intermittent fasting again, you know, and yeah. they know if they've been with me, I have some uh, super fans that have been there for two and a half years in my group visits. And they're like, Oh, you did that last year at this time. Yes, I did. You know, and yeah. they get to see how human we are and right. that nobody's perfect. And guess yeah. what? That's like magic. Cause then they get better faster. Yes. Yes. And,
1: and you touched on a really good point because I thought about like, as we were in training, there was a lot of this no emotion you and in a sense you had to be like a superhero superhuman and just really everything you do is for the patient and um i remember feeling bad because i had to take time off to go to my own appointment like you know how yes. dare you take away time oh, yeah. from your patients and and i think that's one of the factors with a lot of people who are in burnout because that's the mindset and the culture oh, yeah. of you just have to sacrifice but i i think now um i i do see inklings of where there's more of the the provider well-being being considered mm-hmm. i i hope that it'll be more of going towards that way because you know it patient centered care is important but it's become really, too much yeah it's become too much and i feel like you have to look at that patient team unit wellness yes so you're, you're looking at the nuclear family uh, of the care team and so if we're talking about forging relationships and um having a clinician who's really compassionate and very committed to that end We have to support that clinician to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, So true, Karina. You're right. And and I love that term, that medical nuclear family, because how can we blame or chastise or even shame doctors or practitioners for burning out when we've basically enabled that burnout (laughs) by saying, okay, you can't take time off. I'll never forget uh, the three maternity leaves I had always I had people saying, how was your vacation? Or how dare I had patients say, how dare you leave me? You know, I'm going to be, you know, nervous that you're gone. I understand that you're anxious, but you know, why is this on life support? You know, we have not developed a system that allows that physician or care provider to say, you are in a trusted team, you're going to be okay. And what we've done is made it so that we are that Healer for a patient, and we are not. We're the guide, and right, right. That's the problem. Is now it's like everything only happens in that exam room to heal, and and what what you're doing is showing patients it happens outside the exam. Yes, yes, yep, yep. You know, exactly. you're, You're showing them all the wonderful things you're doing, and letting them you know find that consistency and seeing that yes, we all fail. In fact. I I love this about being an entrepreneur and all the catalyst mentees is that we we fail fast, we fail frequently and we get up and we keep going because it's an innovative process. And every community is so different and you start to see, okay, that idea didn't work, but this one, man, that's golden. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes.
1: And I I think that's that's the part where I really enjoy being a solopreneur, entrepreneur is having establishing that type of culture with my own clients, and um, to to really be supportive and understand that you know we all fall down, but we're there to help each other stand back up, and we're holding each other's hands, and and we're all in it together.
0: Um, and it's so different from just the the traditional setting. Right. And you're telling them and modeling that with them, that you're thinking big, that you're showing them to seek out help and don't be afraid of failure. Those are three great things that you're Mm -hmm. bringing into that experience because it's like life is replicating. Art is replicating life. Not only are you foraging out and you're thinking big in your own career and you're showing them that, yeah, you're, you're getting people aligned in your life to get you further. And you're not afraid of failure. And that totally is a wonderful trickle down process into the culture you're creating in your own clinic of, yes, we're all in this together. And this is, this is that paradox where if you ask for feedback, which I always say, ask often and, and hope that people give you that gift of feedback of what's working, what isn't, because that's how you can make quick changes and serve your community at a greater depth. Yes. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yep. And you just have to be open to the feedback, and and
1: and (laughs) And read it. You read it when you've had a good night of sleep and some
0: coffee. You know, don't read it in the middle of the night or right before bed. I mean, because you know, feedback is sticky. It hurts. It is. It is. Yeah, we've all had it where it's like, oh boy, I really missed the ball there, and (laughs) that's okay. I think as physicians, we're taught to, you know, mistakes are bad. I mean, look at what's going on in the political in the world now with some of the the litigious things, and this is so unfortunate. We are we are human. We're trying to help heal people people and to allow that, that, you know, humanity to come through and say, ah, oh, thank you for showing me that, that opportunity for me to grow, you know? Right. Yes. Yes. It's, it's difficult. Especially, it <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Make sure you have coffee, a good night of sleep. Right. <laughs> uh, so tell me about what is a main catalyst moment for you? If you can share one of the many that you'd like to share. The, the main, I think I alluded to the, um, just working with
1: veterans and that helped me to, to pivot. I would say my quantum leap would be with, um, having a baby at 26 weeks. Oh, That's, yes. Yes. So, um, I, I think through that, that was definitely something you never, ever prepare for, but it, in, in it all, um, the, the narrative, I really understood the importance of like, how, how do you tell your story after an event like that? And, and do you really have a perspective of that was, that happened to my baby, that happened to me, or can you turn things around to say, from that experience, I was able to see, um, the people who I hadn't known as being close, reaching out to me and people who are strangers helping me and my baby. Um, like they were, we were family, Beautiful. you know, so, so being able to find that hope, I think that was the first real big, um, Big moment where I started to understand the whole idea of really getting interested in in hope, um, which can be misunderstood or used synonymously with optimism, and they're they're different. So uh, optimism is more of having a positive thinking pattern, but with hope, there's you have a desired outcome. You don't have kind of a, a preconceived
0: um, notion of what's going to happen, but you have oh, to take yeah. action. So it's hope, like knowing with confidence, it'll work out, but it may not be positive is what you're saying. You just have a hope yeah. that there's going to be a resolution. Is that what... hoping, hoping this situation
1: is better, but it may mm-hmm. not be ideal right yes or ideal but you're you're having to act on it so there's there's parts to it when you look at hope research there's you have a realistic goal so it wasn't realistic for me to think that um my daughter's i'm going to do something to help her health but it was realistic to say i have to accept and be present with what is happening um but i do want to be able to come through this experience better often where I am now. So how do you do that? You have to have a, like agency to, mm-hmm. to really want to make that shift and then a pathway to do it. And so my pathway was finding gratitude, being more present and really being um, grateful for the little things that we often take advantage of or, or take for granted. And, um, as you do that more and more and you become more self reflective that builds hope so you can cultivate hope and but you Hope is something that isn't it waxes and wanes. So it can um you can have less hope on some days and more oh, hope on sure. others. And um, you know, the current events right now, you can feel really hopeless. But when you look at a lot of efforts um, from different countries who mm-hmm. are really pulling for and doing things, donating and, yes. and lots of effort, that gives you hope despite the fact that the yes. situation is is not where we would like right. to. See.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, beautiful. And tell me about your research. Cause you actually study, you did your project. And so, yes, yeah. I did. Yep. And so as part of the research, I was
1: interested in knowing what were the, what's the sense of hope and resilience, um, in a population that a college population that is studying science and, um, health They they are going to be fulfilling, um, pursuing a, a career in the health field and seeing what we've been witnessing in the last couple of years, I would think I thought it would be really tough for people to want to make that shift oh, sure. and just doing a simple survey of, um, a hope and resiliency. Um, I was surprised that there was there, despite everything we have a community of college, um, kids who are very hopeful and they want to, um, continue to pursue, they still feel that they, there is something to, um, they can provide and offer to the community, um, whatever health um, profession they're pursuing. And which made me feel great because, and then I I just thought, well, maybe that could be applied to like, as far as the academic institution, how do you identify uh, some of those students who may have lower Who are scoring lower on the hope and resiliency traits? And what things can they do at the academic level to help with that? So by the time that they graduate, they are going to be able to be equipped for a dynamic workforce that may end up having to deal with something like a pandemic again. Yes. Um, And then how do healthcare organizations, how can they um, benefit from that study similarly? You know, if you have a workforce that are are struggling. How can you Mm -hmm. help them become more hopeful? How can you create the environment and policies to do that? And then for just your clinicians, um, you may have a client or patient who does not feel very hopeful about what they can do. How can you support them so that they can start to cultivate that hope and make those um, changes to help them in in their health journey?
0: That's beautiful Karina. It's like a very yeah. huge nitus of change that you're yes. you're uncovering that nugget of something that is so translational. Those skills, the muscle of hope that that you're encouraging people to look for and to practice, like you said can really go out into the world not just in their career but in, you know, relationships beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um And I agree. We, like you said, we can't anticipate what life is going to have. So hope is a great skill to cultivate much like gratitude. I mean, that's where you start with yourself as much as we can't affect the world. And it's not ideal. If we, if we start with ourselves and find ways of being mindful and gratitude, it leads to a, a buoying of hell of hope and feeling like maybe we can make a small change. Um, I think that's incredible what you're doing. Yes.
1: Yeah. And oh for anybody God. who's like interested in knowing a little bit more about this, just a couple of days ago I found out that Jane Goodall has a book. It's called The Book of Hope. Um I forgot the other author um but he also had helped um Desmond Tutu um have write the book of joy. And so um Jane Goodall believes that despite everything in the world, we she has hope. But there's a window as far as what we can do, and I think that's that's where with functional medicine and the Catalyst Group, we're we're in that window, and we're making so much strides to really make that change. And and
0: so I'm I'm very happy to be a part of it. Oh my gosh, you're a firecracker! You've been amazing. Your your energy, just everything that you've been doing, and the other thing that I love about your mind is you're very curious. You're very, um, uh, you know, just kind of open and aware on, oh, what are different opportunities I can do to just play around with, you know, either it's, you know, you're coaching physicians or you're working with military or you're, you know, doing, you know, being a doctor. And that's what I love is that you're, you're playing around with this idea of we can't measure our ability as physicians in our value or worth based on RVUs or on antiquated ACGME standards of, okay, you've seen this many people like that's how we were measured as a good right. yes. physician is how many RVUs are you, are you, you know, modifying your coding correctly? Are you, you know, and I get that that's, I mean, unfortunately we live in a for-profit healthcare right way. Yeah. And so that's how they have us by, you know, by the neck. But what you're showing is this idea that it could be a different way. We could yes. take ourselves out of that system and say, you know what, my value, And my worth is not dependent on how many people I see a day. It is dependent on those seeds that I plant, that little card that someone keeps of yours that might end up, you know, gathered with papers years later and they find it and they go, yes, you know, I am ready now. And you've changed generations that come after them, you know, and the little workshops are giving this. so that's the cool part is we are all kind of pushing back in our own way, showing hope for the future generations of Mm -hmm. physicians. Yep. Yeah.
1: And as so I say that, just got to round it out with that, just having a preemie and, and really understanding and, and valuing how hope can be a big part of our life. That was just another fuel that pushed me in the direction of wanting to have my own private practice, my own way. And um, and it it's just been so rewarding. And, and it does. There are times where you're like, am I really doing the right thing? Right. And, <laughs> sure. <laughs> of course. Yeah. We wouldn't be human you're if we didn't right. have that. <laughs> but but then the hope always you know that that was that's the pessimism that's talking but the yes. hope is like no no yes you, you keep doing it keep doing it and, and be more creative and um just thinking outside the box i think that yes. the traditional medicine you are just in this little this like is how paradigm you think, yeah. but mm-hmm. um now it's it's really Being more innovative and be thinking um, and still trying to have these connections, like what you're doing may seem scattered, but really if you understand that there is a, um, if you've got a firm mission and vision and it's an alignment, then Right. You know, that's that's where, how you keep yourself. in.
0: Trouble. Oh my gosh. You actually, absolutely. You touched on research that was at the last healthcare burnout symposium I went to in January, actually come to think of it where Shanafelt and Maslock spoke and they talk about, and they're the ones that have been researching burnout for decades. And they talk about how during the COVID pandemic, AMA did a COVID survey of the practitioners and they assumed that would be higher rates of burnout, but they found that when you control for, things like how meaningful they felt their job is and how aligned their values were. And they felt like they had a purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. even though the world felt against them in America, you know, or some people were denying that it's even there, they still had less burnout. They felt less burned out. There was like a huge reduction in the beginning. And that's kind of cool, you know, Um, that you're tapping into these nuances that if we can sometimes change our situation, our mindset, there's hope and it can feel vulnerable and definitely there's some dark times. There's no yep. perfect job. Um, there's going to be a shit sandwich that you got to take a bite of that may not be tasty, but right. getting past that, there's so much beauty out there. And yes, yep. thank you for planting yes. those seeds. Where do yes. people find you if they want to connect with you? There's two different places. So if they wanted to know more about my
1: private practice, then I have a website, inspiredwellnesspllc.org. And then if you are considering um, using me as a
0: coach, then you Mm -hmm. can get to thrivingmamand.com. Love that. I'm so grateful for your presence. You are helping so many lives near and far. Oh, Dr. Karina, thank you for being a catalyst for healthcare now and in the future. I'm so happy that you- talked with me here on this podcast and I appreciate you so much.
1: Thank you so much. And I have just adored being your mentee. So anybody who's interested hook up with Laura.
0: Thank you. And thank you everyone. Everyone keep coloring outside those lines and keep catalyzing your next day and your future and be like Dr. Karina and plant those seeds of hope because they certainly pay off. So thank you for listening and have a great day.